God laid on our hearts. And I don't use God as an excuse. I use God as in a sense of obedience. And uh, I thank the Lord for what he has laid on our hearts, and that is stewardship. And we talked about stewardship not only in the sense of... Uh, people hear stewardship and they get a little shake, uh, shook up uh, because they think, oh, now they're going to talk about money. Well, uh, stewardship, when you think of it in terms of what our responsibility, it's not necessarily money. We talked about the stewardship of time. How very precious, the stewardship of time. We talked about the stewardship of uh, talents. Giving God what you can do best. What, you, what you're talented with. What, share it with the Lord. Share it with his kingdom. And then we talked about the stewardship of giving. And that was last week. Uh, giving and not giving, caring. The stewardship of caring. And, and the basis of that was that sometimes we want to evangelize the world, but we don't love our own. That's not biblical. Evangelism starts at home. And, and, and the Lord, he really puts you to test because home is the hardest place to live for God, especially if it's a crowded house. Lots of personalities, lots of people coming in and out. It's difficult, but that's the way it went. And the stewardship of caring and the stewardship of caring in marriage. We took a special uh, time to share something of that with you. And today we're just talking about uh, stewardship in terms of our treasures. And that's why we opened up with the, the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, where it simply tells us that giving is something between you and God. That, that's how simple the lesson was. In Matthew 6, it opens up, and I'll just repeat it. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. Now, they are acts of righteousness. In other words, it's the right thing to do. God wants you to do it. It's an act of righteousness. That's what a righteousness is all about. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, okay? And it's righteousness. The right things in the kingdom, okay? And all things will be added unto you. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men or to be seen by them. Now, notice, notice, notice the, the, uh, the grammar there. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. Okay, many a time you have to do it before men to be seen by them. In other words, God will give you the motive. Okay, because there are times that, hey, somebody, you've got to give somebody something and you, there's no other time to give it to them but in public. That's all right. But just make sure the spirit is not to be seen. Because when you talk about giving, you'll go through the Bible and you're going to find out that God checks the attitude. You see, that's why the scripture says God cannot be mocked. We play with people. We play with attitudes. Not with attitudes. We play with, uh, with uh, concepts that we want people to have of us. Uh, we want them to think we're soft and sweet and kind and lovely. And whoa, there's lots of things you can do to that end. God watches our attitude. That's where he checks in. God is a God of motivations. God is not, God is interested in what you're doing, but more so why you're doing it. And that's, that's tough ground. It really is tough ground. It's, 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 it's God searching through. It's God wanting to know what's in here. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because there are lots of things you do because you have to do them, right? How many times have you smiled and you don't want to smile? 
okay? But let me tell you something else about that. I've got to, I've got to recheck into that. Because many a time, there are things we do uh, that we may not feel like doing, but we do them out of obedience, and God honors that, okay? God honors that. God honors uh, our obedience. Many people say to me, Sister, uh, if my heart doesn't uh, feel like doing something, and, and, and should I do it or shouldn't I do it? Uh, let me tell you, if it's biblical, if it's pleasing to the Lord, if it's what God's told you to do, forget your feelings, just be obedient. Because by the time you get through sifting through feelings, you're going to be crazy. Because one morning you feel one way and one, and one evening you feel the other. So we just got to go with what God says. God, is it right? Does the Lord approve of it? Let's go. Let's go for broke. Let's, let's go all the way, okay? Now, I've chosen a few, just a few situations in the Bible, and we're going to end up probably with the most beautiful situation in the whole wide world. Giving, God-checking attitudes. God-checking attitudes. Okay, a commitment to God and generous giving usually are very closely related. Yes, a commitment to God and generous giving are usually very closely related. Because one of the most difficult things to part with in life is money. It's one of the most difficult things to part with. I always remember the old time preacher said, when you get baptized, get baptized with your wallet. And I used to say, why does he say that? Imagine all the papers you'd get wet. Imagine all the information. But no, he was talking about, you know, in other words, let every part of you get baptized, including your money. Now, one of the first cases of giving, it was sacrificial giving, but it was giving Cain and Abel in the Bible. Now, we've got two boys that come, two boys from the same parents, two boys that are simply bringing a sacrifice to God. Uh, Cain brings a, a, a big present to God of the fruit of the earth, what he has tilled, what he has worked. Okay? Uh, and Abel uh, brings a lamb. We immediately jump the gun and say, well, what God wanted was the lamb. Because uh, uh, God is the one that establishes later on uh, a sacrificial program. When they were offering their offerings, there was no sacrificial lambs. There were no sacrificial lambs, folks. There were none. In other words, there wasn't a law. There were sacrifices being given instinctively. There were sacrifices being given because God called them to give it. Uh, such as when Abraham sacrificed, okay? But there wasn't an established law. There wasn't a, a law set as later on we see with Israel and with the nation of Israel and even with the wilderness journeys, okay? Now, what was wrong? The scripture says that God accepted Abel's offering and God didn't accept Cain's. So the first thing that comes to a question is you say to yourself, well, how did they know what God accepted and what he didn't accept? Most of the scriptural teachers, most of the teachers uh, that go into the depth of the Bible, analyze it this way. They analyze it that when God approved an offering, he would take it up in fire, in flame. He would accept the sacrifice by fire. And that's easy to understand because later on, we see that happening. And not only do we see it happen, but we also see the devil imitating it. In the temples of Baal and in the sacrifices, there was always fire involved. So fire was the way God accepted. Now here goes Abel's sacrifice being burnt up to God. 
And there's Cain's big bushel of fruit and vegetables or whatever he brought. And it's untouched. The attitude immediately comes forth. He's angry. Very angry. And I love God. God gets right behind Cain and whispers in his ear, if you did the right thing the right way, you wouldn't feel the way you feel. And he tells him, sin's at your door. Watch it. Folks, I'll repeat it now and I'll say it forever. There will be no one in hell that does not choose to go there. It's by choice. It's not a place for ignorance. It's not a place. No, no, no. It's a place of choice. You say, no, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Let's not even argue it. It's a place of choice. And God will always give you the opportunity to choose for him. And if you don't, you make your choice. And then you know that Cain later took the life of his brother. Cain brings us a sacrifice in giving, an attitude that is simply self and ego. That's all. Self and ego. And that's why the gospel is so precious and the gospel is so beautiful. And that's why Jesus spent three years teaching the disciples just one thing, that we must submit to God. As he was submitted to his father, so we must submit to him. That was the lesson. That was the lesson. And it was a hard lesson. Jesus had so much to teach. Jesus had so much to say. Jesus was the embodiment of wisdom. Jesus was the embodiment of, of, of God and everything God could tell mankind. Yet it's so limited what he does share. It's so limited what he does give. Uh, the secrets are so limited, really limited, in the sense of, well, you know us. You know, the, what little we know. You know how we want to tell the whole wide world? But why is it? What is happening? What, what takes place? I'll tell you what takes place, folks. Jesus just had one purpose in mind, that those men might know him and what his source was. And his source was his father. And that's why he said the, mil the only thing he wanted them to learn was simply their surrender to him, their yieldedness to him, to God, to be like him. Oh, they wanted to know about politics and they wanted to know when the government, when Rome would be overthrown and they wanted to know so many things. They wanted to use power like magical force. They wanted to come on like exterminators or whatever you want to call it. They wanted to come on as a, as a killing force. Jesus never let them do it. Never let them do it. And matter of fact, condemned the attitude when they got into that spirit. Literally condemned it. Why? Because God's interested in attitudes, folks. God's interested. That, that's, why, that's why it's so important to keep our heart clean before the Lord. Because you see, he knows everything. You say, well, if he knows it, why do I have to tell him? Because he works and deals with us on a basis of surrender and on a basis of our confession. Would you believe that? It must come out of us. Now let's go on. We've got another sense of sacrifice when Moses is speaking to, uh, to Israel. Because first of all, we're looking at giving and we're looking at the attitude of giving. And now Moses tells Israel, everyone who is willing. Oh, I love that. That's in Exodus 35.5. Everyone who is willing. In other words, we must give. We must build a tabernacle. We must build a house unto the Lord. And everybody that is willing. You see, as you go studying the word of God, you start learning quite a few things. God's not into gimmicks. 
God's not into manipulation. God is not into uh, coercion. God is not into, hey, fix the picture pretty. Get it down neat. Reach in for the heartstrings. Pull them. Leave them like dead. And then go for the kill. Whew. I've heard people lay out strategies for giving and asking. And, and I, you know, it literally has turned my stomach. I have to turn around and go away and sit down quietly in some corner and come to the conclusion, if that's the way to do it, I don't want it. If that's the way to do it, I don't want it. Only God can help us in a very special way. So the attitude has got to be a willing attitude. And it says here that in the book of Acts that the disciples, each according to his own ability. Now this is among the saints. Uh, and this has to do with uh, Acts 11. What has happened? Well, first of all, we have a situation in, 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 in Judea where the Judean church, the Jerusalem church, has uh, become very poor. Many people have left. There's been tremendous amount of uh, uh, persecution. And they're scattered. And those that are left are left without the social services of the community. Because you have to realize that in Jerusalem, we're talking about a church-controlled state. Where the widows were fed through the church. Where the people were taken care of through the church. So if they no longer belonged to the church, which they didn't. They no longer worshipped at the synagogue because they weren't allowed to. The first days, yes. Uh, they, they were a, a beautiful group. And it says everybody, they found favor with everybody. But once the government started to close in on them, once the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians start to say, no, we got to get rid of these people. Once persecution spread them out, that became a very, very poor church. Very poor. And so the disciples, some of them were traveling in missionaries. Uh, travels, they decided from all the churches in the Mideast there that they would make a collection to take to Judea. And Paul and Silas were the ones given the permission to make the collections and take them. And they said, how, how are they going to give each according to his ability? Each according to his ability. All right? That kind of knocks out doing things that are not within your ability. Okay? And, uh, and I don't know. I kind of I have my own philosophy about that, and I will share it with you. The scripture tells me that God honors giving. God honors giving. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, and God will honor you. But there's something about giving which is important. Each according to his ability. Faithfulness. What does faithfulness mean? Faithfulness means according to your ability, and not only according to your ability... But what you've promised and, and not letting it be based on emotion. Oh, today I feel like giving, I'll give. No, 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 no. There's a, there's a set pattern, whether you feel like or you don't feel like. That's the difference of going from emotion into the state of obedience. And emotion is over here and it's tremendous and it makes you happy and you want to give and you'll empty out your pockets and you'll say, here, you can have it all. Okay. But obedience simply says, this is what I owe God, this is what the word says, and this is what I'm going to give. You give it whether you feel like uh, you're effervescent, whether you feel like uh, you're popping uh, like champagne, whether you feel like you're bubbling and excited, or you don't feel anything at all. Say, this belongs to God. Amen. Se acabó. Fini. 
Okay? You say, that's awfully cold-blooded. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Obedience sometimes is just cold-blooded. And we do it because God wants us to do it. And we do it because we love him. And we do it because he loves us. I remember a lady fighting over 10%. That's the law! That's the law! And she was just she was just looking at it, looking at me. And I, I wasn't arguing at all, but she wanted to prove to me it was the law. And we're over with the law. I said, you're right. You're right. The law wanted 10%. If grace is so much superior, let's give 90%. And she looks at me. I says, well, let's say you, you're analyzing that it's over. So 10% is over. It's what you've got bigger. Of course grace is bigger. If what you've got, salvation, Calvary, isn't that bigger? All right, well, then that means more. And she looks, she says, I don't know. I, how, do you, how do you analyze that? No, no, no. Then you know what she's got is a little fight, nothing else. Now, let's talk something. According to the ability, if we are faithful, the scripture says that he will complete our needs. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And you know what it says? He'll supply your needs according, oh, I love this, according to his riches in glory. According to his riches. I like that. Because you see, God's got a lot more than I've got. And if he's going to take care of me with what he's got, that's okay. That is okay. If we're faithful to God's word, if we're faithful above and beyond, with a heart full of thanksgiving. Can I tell you something? If we are faithful with no vain glory, if we are faithful on that basis, he'll take care of the rest. He will absolutely take care of the rest. Now I'm going to share this with you. Once again, it's philosophy. But it's it's where I've come. It's where I live. It's where my heart is at. I don't think God demands anything more than faithfulness from anyone that trusts and believes in him. That's all, just faithfulness. That's all. There's nothing else. There is absolutely nothing else. You say, well, Sister Amy, let's, uh, let's say we get an opportunity tomorrow uh, to get a piece of land, to get a bigger place, to get... Uh, uh, what, what, what do we do about that? Our majority is poor. Ah, but that's not the question. Are they faithful? Are they faithful? It's not, the, it's not the idea that we're poor. That's not it. But are we faithful? Are we faithful? Okay, well then God said he'll supply all our needs. Everything is coming through. And then you'll be able to do as some of these. What everyone will give according to his ability. Everyone will give according to what they want. Always the ability and the want is always above the design of what God said to give. Tithes and offerings belong to him. Everything above that is giving. Isn't that interesting? Some people say, I give my tithes. They, I, they, no, 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 no. Eso es rapa fondo. That's bottom, bottom, you know. That's, that's really scrapping the bottom. Giving is above. But the beautiful thing about it is that when you're faithful, God will take care of all the rest. You say, oh, sister, you're going to have to go out and get $10 million. No, I don't. I got to be faithful with whatever I make. Make sure I give it to the Lord in tithes and offerings. And wherever there's a need that I can fulfill, I fulfill it. That's all I have to be faithful for. Oh, then he's going to put it right in your lap, right? You better believe it. You better believe it. You better believe it. 
You know, I, uh, I, I let, let me fight a little with you because it's a good day to fight. When you go to the Bible and you see God's working, especially in the book of Acts, to me it is so fabulous. It is so unreal. Like God is sending somebody to see Paul. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Now the poor man's been knocked down on the road. He's been blinded. He is as sick as he can be. They take him like a... You've got to realize what this man has been through. Here is this powerful man killing. Killing. Because that's all he did was kill. Now this man doing this in such a powerful way. Now all of a sudden he's blind. He's on the road. He can't see his way. And somebody takes him into a street and sits him down. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And then God calls on one of his servants and he says, Ananias, I want you to do something. This is beautiful. In such and such a place, on such and such a street, in such and such a house, there's Paul, uh, there's Saul. I want you to go there. And Ananias says, oh, come on. You don't mean me, do you really? And the Lord says, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and he says, but he's been trying to kill us. He says, no, 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 it's all over now. You have nothing to worry about. It's all over. You just go because, and then God tells Ananias how he separated Paul and what Paul would do. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? So God knows street numbers. God knows addresses. God knows where people live. There's a repeat situation in, the, in Cornelius. What does God say to Peter about Cornelius. He says he tells him the town, he tells him the street. Matter of fact, he tells him the owner of the house. In the house of the man, the tanner. In jo- well, go ahead. And there he was. And there was Cornelius. I tell you this, folks. Our God knows everything. And you may be sitting here with tremendous needs. And it's beautiful because sometimes in ministry... God gives us the opportunity to go through some of the most horrendous times of your entire life. I always remember the great guilt trip I've got when my daughter Debbie went to the hospital and they found her very high in cholesterol. And I felt so guilty. I said, oh my God, what do I do? That's my fault. Why? Because as preachers, we never made great salaries. And it was interesting because we always had the staples. You know what staples are? Milk bread and eggs. Those are staples. And if figure it out real well. You can make breakfast, lunch, and supper for a long time. Just mix them up, turn them around, make them up, make them over, uh, put them on French toast, a little butter, little... Hey, you can do anything. So that's what my kids were brought up on. When things were bad, no problems. We got milk, we got bread, we got eggs. Who else wants, who, who wants anything else? Debbie goes and her cholesterol is somewhere up in six. And I'm saying to myself, it's the eggs. <laughs> it's what I did to her, my poor daughter. Well, I, I think I've prayed healing on that child, but better yet the Lord has. So what, what I share with you, what I share with you in, 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 with just this situation is that we go through experiences in ministry. Not because God is punishing us and not because there isn't any money in heaven. Sometimes I used to get angry because I'd do a week's campaign and get $30. I had a $60 phone bill. What good is $30? 
But the Lord was just telling me, say thank you. And I didn't want to say thank you. I wanted to say, why didn't he give me 200? Why didn't he give me 300? I worked hard all week. And that's, what, that's the going rate, I used to say. But no, I was, belonged to the neighborhood. I was, you know, lived in the Bronx. It's a different price for the Bronx. <laughs> but that wasn't even it. It was God teaching me that someday you'll meet people that have had less than that. And somehow or other, compassion, not pity, is learned through the way of the Lord. Do I feel he took me through a rough road? No, 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 no. No, no, no. When somebody tells me they're hungry, I know what they're talking about. When somebody tells me they've knocked their light off, I know what they're talking about. When somebody tells me they do two months' rent, I know what they're talking about. Only we lived in Spring Valley. We, it was so beautiful. I had a neighbor that found out we hadn't paid our mortgage in three months, and then he went and took a load, loan and paid our mortgage. And he came in my door, and he knocked at the door, and he came in. And he says, you people are so good, and you're so kind, and you're so dedicated to God. I can't see you losing your house. Here's three months' rent. I looked at my husband. He looked at me. And I thought to myself, I don't know if this is great or tremendously humiliating. Because at the time, I didn't. You know what I mean? I didn't know whether God was doing me a favor, whether he was embarrassing me, whether this was this gentleman's kindness, or whether I didn't know. But you know, I look back and I say, Lord, thank you. Because every good gift cometh from the Father above. And he will supply your needs according to his riches in glory. And when it comes to giving, God goes all the way and he doesn't care how. Listen, when he thought of you and when he thought of me, what did he give? He gave his son. How did he give it? A little bit, a shadow, a visit, a wind, a moment. No, he didn't. He gave us his son, born of the Virgin Mary. A son that we saw live 33 years on the face of the earth. A son that taught us who God was, his love and his power. A son that understood poverty, need. Above all, a son that understood giving. And I praise him this day. You know why? Because as we're committed to God, giving becomes easy. As we're committed to God, giving becomes a part of our life. We're not looking to who, to whom, when, what, or where. We're just looking to the obedience that God has called us to. And I thank him this day because when I think of giving, I think of Jesus was given to us for God so loved the world that he gave. Hallelujah. And go through the Bible. Think of all the things he's given. And you know something? I think God calls us this day when we talk about giving to just kind of close your eyes and think back. Have you ever thanked God for keeping you in your youth, in your home, in times of plenty, in times of need? Have you ever thought of saying, thank you, Lord, because you've always been there. You've always been faithful to whatever my needs were. So when we think of giving, uh, uh, don't hold back and say, oh, uh, they're preaching on giving. No, 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 no. Think of what God gave. You know, when I think of tithes, I don't think of tithes. I think that 90% is mine. Yahoo, hooray. You say, oh, that's, that's sick. No, it's not. When I think of the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, I don't think of that tree. Everybody said, if he knew they, they were going to fall, why did they put the tree? I said, no, 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 no. He gave him an entire garden. Thousands upon thousands of trees. They just went for that one. So when we talk about God giving, we get it all tangled up. We, we always come in the back door. 
We don't, need, we don't quite know what God's doing. And then we want to analyze God. Oh, save us, Lord. Have mercy. He doesn't have to be analyzed. And all we have to do is be committed and submitted. But my dear friend, we're not talking about giving so you can give to us. We're talking about giving so you know that God gave to you the greatest gift that could ever be given, his son. God has for you the greatest gift, peace. God has for your life tranquility that you have never known, a satisfaction that simply comes in a fellowship with him. God has given you everything you could ever want or need. Our God is the God that gives. Try counting the stars and see if he's stingy. Okay, try, try calculating the sweetness of a cool breeze on your face and see if he's stingy. Stop thinking of the sun when it's burning and beautifully hugging your body. Think and tell me if he's stingy. Think of Niagara Falls and tell me if he's stingy. If he doesn't give much, tell me. No, he gives. And sometimes that's where you have to look. Don't look in your pantry. Don't look in your refrigerator. Don't look in your bank book. Uh, don't look on your job. Don't look to people. Look above. That's where God took Job. Lost his wealth and lost his family and lost his health. Almost lost his wife. And when God went to show him the great truth of his trials and tribulations, he didn't sit there and analyze, well, I'm going to tell you something about your children now. He didn't sit and say, well, let's understand those three boys and the fourth one that showed up later. Uh, he I'll find a remedy for the sores on your body. God didn't go into any analysis, none whatsoever. He says, come here, Joe. If you think you're smart, tell me, dear, where were you when I made the heavens? And where were you when I hung the stars? And where were you when I gave eagle away through the heavens? And where were you when I gave the Milky Way? If you're smart, if you're intelligent, tell me, where were you? Where were you? And all of a sudden, Job looks up and says, Oh my God, I'd heard about you, but now I can see you. Oh Lord, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. You can have it all. Take me. And then we've got the, you know, the prosperity people coming and saying, Whoa! Had better children and had more riches. Had a better house. Had a better... Oh, go away, would you please? Pack it up and take a trip. The moment of glory, the moment of power, is when he says to the Lord, I'd heard about you, but now I know you. You see, we've heard about God, but we've got to get to know him. De tu a tu. On a you-to-you basis. Our Heavenly Father. We thank you for the invitation. We thank you for the joy. We thank you for your presence. We thank you because giving literally comes from your heart. You gave and you gave and you gave and you never stopped giving. Oh, Haka Messiah. Your giving has no end. Your giving is like the firmament which cannot be measured. Your giving, Lord, is fathomless. It can't be analyzed. 
you're giving, Lord, is so precious. We ask you, Lord, to help us so fall in love with you that we might walk and talk with you, that we might give you what you want most. That's not our money, Lord. That's not our time. That's not our talent. That's not our treasures. What you want most, Lord, is our heart. Oh, God. We give it to you this morning, Lord. Would you please, Lord, take our heart. If we could scoop it out of our bosom and hold it up in our hand and say, Here, I empty myself out that you might fill me with grace and with joy and with peace and with presence. And last but not least, with power to live and to move and to have our being among people. We give you our hearts this morning. We surrender to you that which you ask for. Oh, my son, if you hear today my voice, harden not.